Good morning, Bishop Julian. Good morning, Mark. Great to uh, talk with you. Mark Steele, of course, is the uh, producer of Living Through the Word, and I'm really grateful to you, Mark, for all your uh, many efforts uh, on this podcast. Well, thank you, Bishop. Uh, We just wanted to mention we're producing this episode in cooperation with GAFCON. We thought we'd take this opportunity to mention that uh, the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word will have one of the leading voices of GAFCON Uh, in the United States, all the way from Australia. So we thought this would be a good opportunity to share the details of that event coming up. Certainly. So uh, GAFCON, the Global Anglican Future Conference, of which the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word is a member diocese, and we're going to be talking about that on this episode. Uh, Our 2020 Missions Conference and Synod is built around the theme, The Promise Keeper, Faithful, to keep his word, and it's been held in Souderton, Pennsylvania, from April 30 through May 2nd. And I'm just so thrilled and pleased that we'll have Michael Jensen with us uh, for this year's Missions Conference. Uh, Michael is a pastor, a theologian. He's authored a number of books, and he appears frequently in the media to provide uh, a Christian perspective on what's happening around the world today. He's uh, co-authored Reformational Anglicanism, and I'm just so excited to have him. We'll have a youth track uh, at this year's Missions Conference, and it's open to anybody uh, in our diocese and beyond to come. Information at adlw.org. That's not the only event you have coming up on your busy schedule this summer. What else do you have planned? Well, the Lord willing, uh, Brenda and I will be at the Kigali Bishops Conference. We'll talk a little bit about that on this episode uh, in June 2020. July 2020, we've got our uh, Bible Land tour of uh, Israel and uh, an optional extension into Jordan. There's information there. We've got about 20 on the tour so far. We'd love people to join us, and you can get information and sign up uh, as places remain available on our website. Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America. To learn more about our ministry, visit us online at adlw.org. I'm very pleased to have with us today the Reverend Canon Charles Raven, the membership Development Secretary and Acting Operations Manager of GAFCON, the Global Anglican Future Conference. Uh, Charles is an ordained Anglican minister. Uh, He's a faithful servant of Jesus, and I'm privileged and honored to call him my friend. Charles, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you, uh, Bishop Julian. The pleasure is mine. Oh, you're very kind. Uh, you've got a great accent, of course, not quite as good as mine, but uh, yours is uh, yours is indeed pretty good. Charles, uh, 2020 uh, is shaping up to be a historic year in the life of what we call the Anglican Communion. And we talked something about what that means on uh, the previous episode of this podcast with Canon Phil Ashey. Um, I, I want to talk to you today to discuss a powerful new tool been launched by GAFCON this week called the Anglican Reality Check. And we'll get to that in a moment. But before we discuss this, Charles, tell us a little bit about your faith and your call to ordain ministry. Mm. Um, thank you, Julia. 
Um, I was brought up in uh, a Church of England parish church, which was evangelical, preached the gospel. Um, as a child, I understood the gospel, but it didn't somehow connect, and I just found it all rather boring. Um, but then in my early teens, as a, in the church youth group, um, the reality of God's grace uh, dawned on my heart, and I committed my life to Christ, um, and then um, continued in the Christian life, and um, after university uh, began a, what I thought was going to be a long-term career in banking in the City of London. But after about five years in the mid-80s, um, a sense of calling to ordain ministry, which had been kind of lurking at the back of my mind, came much more to the fore. And it coincided with a particular time of um, spiritual renewal in my life. And I found myself almost being compelled to pray. I was working in the city of London and um, I wasn't entirely workaholic. So I did actually take a break at lunch times. And there were some wonderful old Wren churches. And I would go and just felt compelled to pray. And the passages and uh, of scripture that I kept getting drawn to were um, to do with the restoration of Jerusalem and the temple, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah. And the Lord just laid on my heart this uh, very strong burden for the restoration um, of the church. Um, and uh, that and within about uh, 12 months of these, this awareness dawning, um, I found myself uh, training for Anglican ministry um, in Durham University at um, Cranmer Hall, part of St. John's College. So, um, and, and then um, did a three-year curacy and 20 years in parish and congregational ministry, um, with its ups and downs, uh, which I could enlarge on if there was time, um, and then uh, eventually working for GAFCON um, after four years in Kenya with Archbishop Wabakala when he was chairman of the GAFCON Primates Council. Wow, what what an incredible story. And uh, I know from having got to know you a little over the years uh, that your first and um, uh, primary uh, commitment is to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his church. You love the Lord Jesus. You're a disciple of Christ. You've worked that out as you've uh, so beautifully shared with us uh, uh, throughout your life and ministry thus far. Uh, and you've chosen to do so uh, in the fellowship of the Anglican Church, which builds on that incredible heritage we've received from Christ and the apostles through the Reformation uh, that brings us to our conversation today, because the, the Anglican Communion, in which you, you, you're spending much of your life working, as I do, faces a terrible crisis. Uh, one I call a profound crisis in the confidence of the Word of God. Uh, we often call uh, homosexuality and sexual immorality as the presenting issues of, Christ, of, of the crisis. What, what, what do we mean by presenting issues? And what do we mean when people like me say there's a profound lack of confidence in the Word of God? Well, 
the word of God is so central to the church because it's the way that we come to, to know Jesus and to follow him. And um, the burden that God put on my heart many years ago for the restoration of the church was not um, the restoration of buildings or of an institution as such, but um, the desire that the Church of England and the Anglican Church worldwide should uh, really honour and glorify Jesus and hold out the gospel, that word of life. And um, but churches can get churches can get sick, and I think when we talk about presenting issues, um, we mean the symptoms, the symptoms of sickness, of spiritual illness. And that was what I think the Jerusalem Declaration and Jerusalem Statement of 2008, which marked the beginning of the GAFCON movement, the Global Anglican Future Conference movement, um, did so well because it got to the heart of the matter and it diagnosed the spiritual sickness of the communion um, not in terms of sexual immorality, but in terms of a false gospel. So this is not just about sexual ethics. This is about the way that there has been a false gospel because the word of God, the scriptures, has been have been uh, sidelined, um, undermined, diluted. And GAFCON is about getting the scriptures back to the heart of the uh, Anglican communion. And I think the fundamental uh, distinction here is, uh, are we looking at revelation or speculation? Is Christian faith a revealed religion? God, uh, in his word, giving us um, reliably, authoritatively, effectively, uh, truth that we could not otherwise know, or are we kind of scrabbling around in the dark um, uh, and speculating, trying to build up uh, our various human views of God? And so um, I'm delighted to be part of this movement, which is restoring the word of God to its right place in the church so that we can preach Christ confidently and stand in solidarity with faithful uh, Christians throughout the throughout the centuries this of course was one of the great gifts to us of our forebears uh, uh in in the anglican church and the church of england who who um amongst others uh we we list names like uh, thomas bilney uh, hugh latimer nicholas ridley thomas cramner uh who eventually ensured that the Bible was accessible, that it wasn't in some glass cabinet locked away or in scrolls for a, a reserved few, but it was translated very heroically into the language of the common people, alongside which we received an incredible book of common prayer to enable us to worship God, to read his word, to hear it expounded. And when people say to me, what, what's one of the gifts of Anglicanism? That's it. The Bible Absolutely. accessible to everyone. And, and, and wasn't that so much the work of, of Cramner wanting to ensure that the Bible is accessible in every English church and in fact read uh, in, in, in uh, every church? Um, you, you talked about the Anglican communion. 
Um, and uh, we, we talked last week uh, on the previous episode uh, about uh, the provinces of the communion. And we've mentioned already that there are some presenting issues, the, the overarching one being a lack of confidence or a departure from confidence in the Bible. Uh, but we've also got some what we might call presenting provinces uh, of the Anglican communion, uh, because many provinces uh, remain faithful to the word of God, um, uh, faithful to the doctrine of the church. Others seem to have fallen away and compromised in their commitment to what Jude calls the faith that was once for all entrusted or delivered to the saints. Um, Where do we see this compromise most prevalent um, within the Anglican communion? Well, I suppose people might say... uh... Um, the, the obvious place to look for this is in North America, um, where um, the Episcopal Church and the Anglican Church of Canada, as you uh, well well know, um, have led the way. But I'm not sure that's quite the case now, because I would say that those provinces are not provinces that are indulging in compromise. Um, the leadership of those provinces and others like Scotland, the Episcopal, uh, the, the Scottish Episcopal Church, are very clear about what they what they believe. They've adopted essentially a secular agenda, but they identify that with the work of the Spirit in the world today. Um, so I think that when we uh, um, are looking at compromise in the Anglican Communion now. Um, the province where we see that presenting most clearly uh, and most dangerously is actually um, the Church of England, the two provinces of uh, Canterbury and York. Um, The bishops of the Church of England recently issued pastoral guidance in which they uh, seem to be reaffirming the traditional biblical understanding of marriage, um, but there was such pushback from many uh, of the Church of England's bishops that they then, the two archbishops of York and Canterbury, then issued uh, a statement not exactly going back on what had been said, but being very um, apologetic. And we hear very few bishops in the Church of England actually standing up for the Uh, central um, truths of scripture um, and the authority of the word of God. Um, uh, There are decades, there's a decades long history, perhaps even centuries long, some people might say, of um, uh, compromise within the Church of England. And those problems are now being exported around the communion Um, through the Lambeth Conference, the primates' meetings, the Anglican Consultative Council, the so-called instruments of unity um, are... And and I think the problem is that um, I know from my own experience of living and working in Africa that the assumption tends to be that the mother church of the communion is somehow the spiritual fountain, the origin, the source... Um, there is great respect, which is understandable, um, but there are assumptions about orthodoxy 
which are just not borne out in practice. This is uh, one of the great challenges we're seeing in the Anglican Communion, particularly around the West. And it's one of the reasons why uh, over the last years we've seen, I believe, the Lord Jesus Christ himself call forth the movement we refer to as GAFCON, the Global Anglican Future Conference, a gathering of Anglicans coming together who believe in the Word of God, who uphold the faith of the church as revealed to us in the Word of God, uh, through the Book of Common Prayer, uh, through the Jerusalem Statement and Declaration, all there if you want to look at these things at gafcon, G-A-F-C-O-N dot org, and you'll find out more there because there are incredible testimonies of what God is doing uh, through GAFCON in the Anglican Communion. We had, Charles, uh, on the um, podcast just um, some uh, uh, um, months ago, um, uh, Philip de Grey Water um, from Foy, who's planted Anchor Anglican Church. He felt he could no longer stay in the Church of England uh, for the reasons you've just articulated. Uh, the Lord willing, we'll follow up soon with an episode with Susie Leaf uh, to see how that work uh, is developing. Charles, you and I uh, were down in New Zealand towards the uh, conclusion of 2019 uh, and, and participated in the establishment of a new GAFCON uh, uh, work there under the leadership of Bishop J. Bean uh, to see the gospel continue to be proclaimed uh, in the tradition of the um, Reformed Anglican heritage that we've received. And then, of course, uh, you could tell, tell us more accurately, but across GAFCON, uh, through the provinces of places like uh, South America and Nigeria, and Rwanda, and Kenya, and Uganda, uh, the list just goes on, of where faithful Anglicans are working so very faithfully to proclaim the gospel. And, and the Lord's clearly at work. There, there are good news stories, Charles, in the midst of uh, uh, many of the Western provinces of the uh, Anglican Communion departing from the faith. Would you agree? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um when GAFCON was formed, Archbishop Peter Jensen, who was one of the founder figures, said that uh, the um, uh, controversies in, the, in uh, the Episcopal Church had awakened the sleeping giant of Orthodox Anglicanism. And uh, one of the things that I uh, rejoice in with GAFCON is that this is not a movement that's energised by what it's against. Um, it's energised by a passion for the gospel and for seeing men and women and children brought to Jesus Christ, to seeing the transformation that the gospel brings to communities and whole nations. Um, uh, we now have 10 networks within GAFCON um, that are all in different ways working to uh, spread the gospel, to um, build mission partnerships, to develop theological education, to plant churches um, last year in Rwanda, our church planting network was instrumental in equipping um, evangelists with a copy of the Jesus film um, and motorbikes in all 11 dioceses so they could uh, uh, move around easily and preach the gospel and start new churches. And we heard that in the first month alone, 900 people came to Christ. 
Um, just this, uh, just um, last month, I spent uh, three weeks in East Africa, and two weeks of that time was with the vicar of a, one of the larger London churches, introducing him to partner bishops in Kenya and Tanzania, um, so that they could work together um, to uh, strengthen the work of the gospel, both in London and in two rather remote places in in their own in their own province and we we we, we so we we the, the, that's just two anecdotes of a whole um mass of good news stories that people can find on the gafcon website as you've uh, just referred to at the anglican diocese of the living word we are here to equip and edify your walk in christ We're working hard to develop new resources like this podcast, and we trust you have found this ministry to be a blessing. To find out more about the ongoing ministry of our diocese, including details of our upcoming 2020 Missions Conference and Synod, visit us online at adlw.org. And as always, share this podcast with your friends and subscribe on the podcast player of your church of your choice, uh, I'm talking with um, Canon Charles Raven. Charles, let's talk about this new uh, tool Gafcon has developed, Anglican Reality Check. Uh, for those in our audience who don't know, uh, what is uh, the Lambeth Conference? Um, the Lambeth Conference uh, is a meeting of all the bishops of the Anglican Communion which was first held in 1867, um, there was a realisation that as the the faith of the Church of England was spreading globally with the expansion of British influence around the, the, the globe, that there needed to be some kind of coordination. Um, they were held only 10 years because it took such a long time to get there originally because everybody had to, of course, go by sea. Um, and these have... Um, evolved over the years into a sort of church council, but they are ultimate. They don't have any jurisdictional authority. Um, they are, uh, but they do have moral and spiritual authority, and uh, it's a way of. Uh, uh, it is the main way in which the global Anglican Communion is actually embodied. Lambeth 1998 was a positive development, uh, as noted in the 2018 GAFCON letter to the churches, uh, which said the 1998 Lambeth Conference, by a huge majority, in fact, it was a 526 to 70, approved Resolution 110 on human sexuality, which affirmed the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 19 that there are only two expressions of faithful sexuality, lifelong marriage between a man and a woman, or abstinence, end of quote. And yet, uh, in some respects, Lambeth 1998 seems to have failed as a cure for the Anglican communion because of where we find ourselves now and the things that you and I discussed earlier in this episode. What went wrong? Mm. Well, I, I well remember that Lambeth conference, and 
when I heard that that resolution had been passed, I thought this was going to be the end of a crisis which had been uh, beginning to emerge in the Anglican Communion. But I couldn't have been more wrong. It wasn't the end. It should have been the end. It should have settled the question. And the voting figures that you've just quoted were very significant. But um, a, a very well-funded and articulate majority, a minority, immediately began to work to undermine that resolution. And the history of the Anglican Communion since 1998 has basically been the story of that uh, that small minority seeking to overthrow, undermine and discredit um, Lambeth 110. And all, of course, that, 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 that represents the freight that that carries in terms of the role of scripture in the Anglican communion. And our Anglican reality check um, begins in 1998 and helps people to track that story. Because so, t- tell us a little bit more about that. W- what is the Anglican reality check? Um, uh, how do we use it, uh, and what do you hope it will accomplish? Um, it will appear on its own website um, uh, uh, um, in the next few days, and it is a way of people being able to understand easily and quickly um, the history of the last tw- tw- twenty years, and to. We, we, we do so easily forget. We have, we have short memories, and there are people who will take advantage of that. Um, we get a message coming out of um, Canterbury, for instance, that all is basically well with the Anglican Communion, and that if only people would put aside their disagreements, all would be fine. Um, but what the Anglican Reality Check does is to uh, present the key events over the last 20 years. Um, It's a timeline, which you'll be able to see at a view, but then click on a particular event and get more more detail. And what that timeline makes clear is that there is a battle for the soul of the Anglican Communion. We so easily get use acclimatize ourselves to things as they are, and uh, something that might have seemed to be completely unacceptable twenty years ago now becomes normal. But what is normal should be judged against the standard of scripture, not what people around us feel or what we feel um, and it will also uh, enable people to see the impact that Gafcon has made for good, um, to uh, remind the communion that it is not simply an institution for religious debate, but an organisation to confess the faith of Christ crucified, as we say in the baptismal service. I've been privileged uh, to have a sneak preview of uh, this uh, new tool Um, that Charles has been talking about, the reality check, that takes us through the history of what brought us to the point of of, um, drawing a line in the sand 
for the sake of the gospel and moving forward with the establishment of the ministry of GAFCON, which I'm so privileged to be part of that our diocese is a member diocese uh, of. Charles, it's it's important to get an accurate history, isn't it? Because uh, you think of the children of Israel as they came over the Red Sea uh, into the Promised Land and journeyed those 40 years uh, they were to rehearse their story. And we have so many people trying to tell us nothing's wrong. There's nothing wrong in the Anglican communion. Everything is good. Mm. Just let us be uh, peacemakers. And, and, and of course, we, we want to make peace, but it can't be peace at any price when the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, is involved. I remember in my days of being a uh, minister in my congregation in New Zealand, uh, a gentleman joined our church, and I said to him, why have you joined an Anglican church? He said, because I want to learn how to be nice. And I said to him, well, I rather fear you've joined the wrong congregation. Uh, and uh, that sometimes is is a, a serious Achilles heel for us in Anglicanism. We just want to be nice to everyone and let everybody believe what they wanted to believe. But but that's not the reality uh, of who we are as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. And the reality check is designed to help us do that. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I mean, Jesus warned us to be alert. He warned us um, that there would be wolves who would come as uh, in, in sheep's clothing. Um, when Paul talks to the elders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 on the beach at Miletus, um, he warns them that uh, false teachers will emerge, fierce wolves, even from amongst themselves. So there is this need for um, alertness, um, a recognition that we are in a spiritual battle, um, an understanding of where the proper boundaries of apostolic faith should be. Um, Anglicans have rightly uh, I, I believe, uh, not try to draw the boundaries of the church too tightly. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in Cranmer's espousal of the of the middle way, which you find in the prayer book. Um, but that is all um, within the boundaries of, of the fundamental beliefs that we have that come from Scripture. And you can be relaxed on secondary issues if you're clear on the primary issues. Um, but what's been happening in the Anglican communion over the last 20 or so years is uh, a blurring. And essentially what's happened is that um, rather than faith being a matter of certain beliefs that we can put into propositions, um, that we can say this is true and other things are false, um, it's being more seen as a process. And this was something that Archbishop Rowan Williams was very keen on. Um, even uh, Archbishop George Carey, who was very firm at Lambeth 1998, um, a few even just a few weeks after that Lambeth conference, was um, in a, an Episcopal church parish in North Carolina, meeting members of a gay-lesbian pressure group and saying he might have met angels unawares and how important it was to have conversation. Now, dialogue is certainly important, um, but we, we can't call into question those things about which God's word has been clear. And that's been a tactic of the devil from the beginning, 
um, when the serpent says to Eve, did God really say? And we've had 20 years or more of church leaders um, either endorsing or themselves saying, did God really say? Um, when it's very clear what God has said through the scriptures. And that is the ministry of uh, GAFCON, Global Anglicans, guarding and proclaiming the unchanging truth in a changing world, the unchanging truth revealed to us uh, in the words of the Holy Bible. Uh, Charles, uh, one last question. Uh, You spoke once in a lecture uh, that I read earlier today, or parts of it, about the difference between conversing and confessing churches. Just as we conclude, tell us, what do you mean by those two words, the difference between conversing and uh, confessing churches? Well, I think it encapsulates the the basic um, division that we are dealing with in the Anglican Communion at the moment. Um, Is the Anglican Communion about conversing, uh, in other words, about conversation about process which i was to, uh, which i referred to um, a few moments ago is it simply an institution for religious debate that is held together by its uh, common history of connection with england and with the english language or is it primarily a family of churches who confess um the faith of Christ. We're familiar, I think the phrase confessing church first became familiar in 1930s Germany when there were a few brave leaders like uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Karl Barth who gave leadership to what was called the confessing church because they chose to confess um, the, the biblical historic faith of Christ rather than be part of a German evangelical church that was becoming overrun and saturated with um, with the Nazi ideology. And although our context is very, very different, um, the basic challenge is still the same. Um, is the church going to be, is what really matters about the church, the fact that it's simply an, an historic institution which we need to keep going at all costs, or is it primarily a vehicle for the good news of Jesus Christ, which we will be faithful and which we will confess in season and out of season, whether the gospel is being received, as it is in many nations in sub-Saharan Africa, or whether it is being rejected, as sadly is the case in many parts of the West, or where it is not even yet really being proclaimed. Um, so that for me is the basic choice that we have Um, we do need to build institutions and GAFCON will do that where necessary as we and uh, and you've given a very good example with the formation of a new diocese in New Zealand but we are primarily about the honour and glory of Jesus Christ and making him known uh, faithfully around the globe Um, and institu- in, in ultimately, institutions will follow life. We are, we're in a spiritual struggle. We're in a battle. Sometimes it can feel discouraging, but I'm very confident that this is a project that God has called us to do, a great project, 
um, and I'm delighted to be part of it. Charles, it's been just fantastic to have you on this episode of Living Through the Word. I want to encourage our listeners to go to gafcon.org, Global Anglicanism, Guarding and Proclaiming the Unchanging Truth in a Changing World. Uh, Get engaged, get the prayer notes, uh, talk to your minister about them. Uh, if, if you don't know much about GAFCON, ask if we can have some conversation about GAFCON in our congregations. Get involved. You'll learn there about Kigali 2020, which many of us are referring to as the, um, the real Lambeth Conference, where the bishops of GAFCON will gather, Lord willing, later this year. Been fantastic uh, to have you, Charles, on the program, uh, and I look forward to talking with you more. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and the word of His grace.